0: with Daniel Minnick. Hey friends, Daniel Minnick here, your host for Truth Espresso. Thank you for tuning in, and if you're just starting tuning in, well, I hope I don't scare you away when I tell you that I'm talking about economics. I'm continuing a series to try to wrap up as much information as I can get out about economics that I think this crazy world and this crazy crazy nation really needs right now because the thinking of a lot of people in the midst of all this COVID-19 stuff and stimulus packages and all kinds of crazy goofy legislation and political maneuvering and interest rate slashing by the Federal Reserve and targeted inflation rates and All kinds of stuff that should make our hair stand on end, and wonder is this really? Good. I mean, do our wise overlords really just want to serve us? Do they really understand how things are really supposed to work, especially when people are out of the real economy and are sitting in an ivory tower trying to control the economy? They think that being outside the real economy dictating down that they know what's best for us, even if it doesn't really apply to them. And so this episode is continuing really part two of the last episode. And so I would highly encourage you to listen to the last episode and at least start with the episode before that, because we're actually looking at Paul Krugman's crazy ideas. Episode 58 was about Paul Krugman's idea that the inflationary policy of babysitting coupons at the Capitol Hill Babysitting Cooperative was somehow good for the microeconomy of the babysitters there, even though it resulted in hyperinflation. He kind of dismisses that part. And then the last episode, episode 59, we looked at the fact that the economy doesn't need an alien. Invasion? Yes, Paul Krugman, back in 2011, first suggested that to get out of the slump of the Great Recession of 2008, uh, the collapse of the housing bubble, that what the economy really needed was a lie from on high. A bunch of scientists would propose that there was a threat of aliens invading, and that that would somehow build up wealth, that would somehow get people to stop paying. Paying off their credit cards and paying off debt, which somehow is a bad thing in the mind of Paul Krugman, and instead start working and spending money toward building up armaments, building up solid bunkers. For the safety of our lives, because we'd all be worried about alien invasion. But, of course, he wasn't suggesting that a real alien invasion would be good for the economy. He only thought that the belief that there would be an alien invasion would help things out and somehow would help us to build things like infrastructure and new roads and oh, yeah, how I wonder how that's supposed to work. But somehow he thought that the threat of aliens invading would somehow help our economy, help us to build infrastructure and somehow get people to work and doing things that somehow he thinks people were not doing. They're not doing the right things when they realize that they're poorer than they really were because they took loans on houses that they couldn't afford. And so Paul Krugman's solution to finding yourself in a situation where you have to pay back something because you got it, because you couldn't afford it, is to squeeze even more money out of you, get you to keep spending more and more when you have less to spend. And that's somehow rebuilding your savings and trying to get yourself back on your feet and tighten your belt Of course, for future spending, when you have the money to spend, that's anathema to the economists like Paul Krugman. That's anathema to the Keynesians, because somehow they think that if too many people stop spending, the economy will spiral down into the Stone Age. But of course, we know that's absolutely ridiculous. If people stop spending temporarily to pay down debts, they're actually spending money. They're working harder and they're using that money for things that they need to use it. Right now, like paying off debts and trying to cut back some of the things that are more pleasures, which of course hurts, no doubt about it, but it's only temporary. And once you get yourself back on your feet and learn to budget properly, then you're less vulnerable and then you can spend a little more on pleasures. But, of course, Paul Krugman thinks that spending on anything at all is exactly equal to spending on something that's more productive. And so, the threat of a lie, of alien invasion, somehow in Paul Krugman's mind, is going to be able to get the economy more wealth. Building bunkers would give us more wealth? Sounds to me like squandering valuable resources that could be put to more productive ends and help us do things more efficiently. Building a bunker that we don't need and putting all that work in and spending all that money toward resources that won't make our lives actually better is not something that will make us better but when you're an ivy league economist of the keynesian variety common sense is not one of your fortes now paul krugman was not done with his alien invasion suggestion in 2012 for as late as november 17th 2015 he had a blog post in the new york times entitled terrorists and aliens And I will provide a link to this one as well as the YouTube videos in the show notes. Now, this link is archived by Google. It's no longer available directly for the New York Times because they have restructured the way they host blogs for contributors. And so that original link is no longer available. So I had to find this in Google's archives. But if you remember from... That first video of Paul Krugman suggesting the alien invasion stimulus back in 2011, he made the comparison to World War II. So, in this article in 2015, entitled Terrorists and Aliens, Paul Krugman, referring to the Great Depression of the 1930s, said, quote, What put a decisive end to the slump was World War II, which led to deficit spending on a scale that was politically impossible before. This story is what led me to facetiously suggest that we fake a threat from space aliens to provide a politically acceptable cover for stimulus, And so Paul Krugman looks at World War II as something that actually ended the Great Depression. Now, I want you to think about it. If you think, along with me, that the threat of an alien invasion is not good for an economy, and yet Paul Krugman makes the comparison to World War II, then maybe you should also think with me and agree that World War II was not a boon to the economy. Now, this might be something new to your thinking because you might have actually learned this. Sometimes there's a battle between the Democrats and the Republicans over what ended the Great Depression. And many Democrats favored... President Franklin Roosevelt's New Deal policies and their make-work spending projects, their make-work jobs, and would say that Franklin Roosevelt's New Deal policies are what led to the Great Depression ending although it didn't end right then they would say that those were the catalyst for ending the Depression because what people need was more stimulus to spend and those programs forced them to spend and forced people to have jobs and forced wages up and even earlier on forced farmers to reduce their crops and kill pigs you know like uh, even a lot of um, FDR fans don't really remember that that he actually had millions of pigs slaughtered and lots of crops plowed under to reduce their supply and thereby make them more expensive and then that somehow higher prices would force wages up and what we needed was higher wages to get the economy back on its feet but if you really think about it when some someone is suffering, when someone is poor, how would a higher cost of living help them? But nevertheless, so in short, and I'm sure we can really dive into that concept and really get our heads spinning about how the New Deal did not end the Depression. It was counterproductive. So the Democrats will often support New Deal programs. They like domestic spending programs from the central government to make the economy better because they think that the economy left to private enterprise leads to depressions and we need the oversight of government to spend things in better avenues to get things more evened out. And that somehow more economic equality, regardless of who's producing and who's consuming, leads to fewer recessions or ends depressions. But now a lot of Republicans will turn around and say that it wasn't the New Deal that ended the Depression. It was actually war spending on World War II They'll agree that the New Deal programs were bad for the economy, but they think that then World War II actually somehow was what got people to work productively again. And of course, if you look at the GDP figures provided by the government for wartime spending, you would see that they're high numbers. There was a lot spent those years, and so we think that that means that the economy was good, but you got to really think through things. We can't just look at big numbers. We have to ask the question, what do those numbers mean? Just think about it. How could spending on things whose primary use is destruction is actually good for an economy? Because if people were employed in the military... That's taking capital from more productive uses like producing more food or producing more consumer goods and rationing them toward military personnel who are being trained to use weapons and and it's spending on more tanks and more missiles and more planes and stuff like that. So think about it. Exactly how is that any different from make-work jobs that, FDR proposed in the New Deal. Like, you could either force the economy to create jobs where people dig ditches and fill them up again, or you can force people to spend money to pay for jobs in the military. It's the same thing. But, you know, one problem with World War II, or war in general, is that war spending is not productive for the economy. It is a diversion of resources towards something that can only destroy. But economist Paul Krugman, the leftist Paul Krugman, actually applauds World War II. He actually agrees with many mainstream Republicans, who are often Keynesians like he is, just right-wing Keynesians. And they all agree that World War II helped the economy. But... I will provide a link in the show notes to an article by Robert Higgs who explains how World War II did not help the economy and that what really ended the Depression was the return after World War II, the return of military personnel to their homes to start working in productive means and the reduction of some government taxes and regulations. So that is always what leads to economic growth. It is the government getting their grubby mitts out of the economy one way or another. Now, before we get into a parable talking about a broken window to explain the idea that the economy gains wealth through destructive processes, let me play a podcast promotion For my friend Jamal Bandy's podcast, Prescribed Truth. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 25 Therefore laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you with his neighbor For we are members of one another for his name's sake What's up, everybody? I'm Jamal Bandy, the host of the Prescribed Truth Podcast, where I seek to distribute the truth that the doctor prescribes to the church and the world today. The Lord graciously brought me out of a cult in 2010, saved me in 2013, and in 2017, Prescribed Truth began. My mission has been to spread the truth of God's word while refuting dangerous lies affecting most churches and the culture at large from a biblical and reformed perspective. Join me on Sundays at 6 p.m. Eastern Time for the live recording of the podcast on youtube and download the audio version wherever podcasts can be found including the christian podcast community if you would like to know more about prescribed truth please visit my website at PrescribeTruth.com. truth.com and remember this world is full of errors but the only thing that the doctor prescribes is truth blessings And I would highly recommend that you check out Jamal Bandy's wit and wisdom in his podcast Prescribed Truth as he engages with issues of the culture that unfortunately too many people get caught up with every wind of doctrine that comes out of the mainstream of culture that's intended to break down institutions that we know come from the Bible like the family unit or stir up. Things like racial tensions, as we know that we are all one race, the human race, and I thank Jamal Bandy for standing out from the crowd and approaching the world with biblical truth. Now, let's look at alien invasions and war spending as being good for the economy, allegedly, with what French economist Frederick Bastiat in the 1800s referred to as the broken window fallacy. So, Frederick Bastiat told a story of a young man who throws a brick through a shop window. The neighbors gather and explain to the shopkeeper that the broken window could actually be considered a good thing. Well, how can a broken window be a good thing? I mean, that's just destruction, right? Well, not according to the shopkeeper's neighbors. Their explanation is that it means that the glassmaker gets some money to replace the window. I mean, come on, the glassmaker needs to eat too, and so breaking windows helps the glassmaker's business. Of course, it's not like glassmakers only have an inventory of windows sitting around waiting for things to break. They make glass for new buildings, but let's continue on with the story. So the neighbors suggest that the economy is improved since that window is broken because now money goes to the glassmaker to replace the window with a new one and now the glassmaker has some money that he can use to buy something from someone else. And then that person has some money that he can buy from something from someone else, and the good effects of that spending multiply and ripple through the town economy (laughs) now that does seem to make sense if you're kind of caught by their story there whoa let's look on the bright side shall we a broken window isn't just a broken window it means that money starts rippling through the economy and lots of people benefit by the money changing hands and growing business after business before we get caught up in that, because it makes it sound like a silver lining and that breaking a window is actually a good thing for the economy, the problem, according to Bastiat, is that people can notice only what is seen and they can easily overlook what is unseen. So what is seen in the story? It is the money spent on a new window to benefit the glassmaker. But what is unseen in this story, what is unseen is what the shopkeeper would have otherwise done with that money if he didn't have to replace a broken window. He could have bought new shoes and the shoemaker could have bought something from someone else. And that person could have bought something from someone else. The town's economy could have had that economic multiplier effect anyway. So, the story assumes, the neighbors assume, that the shopkeeper would have no use for that money other than to fix a broken window. But, if you compare what the shopkeeper could have done with that money that would have been productive, then you realize the difference. With the broken window, the shopkeeper and the economy as a whole is poorer by one less window. Exactly. Now, let's turn to the Bible to explain this. Proverbs 28 and verse 24 says, Whoso robbeth his father or his mother, and saith, It is no transgression, the same is the companion of a destroyer. So, we see that the shopkeeper being robbed of a window is not something you can dismiss and say it is no transgression. It is the same as being a destroyer. So Breaking a window is simply breaking a window. It doesn't stimulate the economy. All it does is mean that someone is forced to take some of their earnings or their savings and buy something to replace a loss rather than what they could have done, whether at that time or later, to buy something that is productive. And so, the shopkeeper had to use that money to buy a window. But if the window weren't broken, he could have had a window and a new pair of shoes from the shoemaker. So, my third question in dealing with alien invasions and the like is, does waste make wealth? So, let's look at Paul Krugman's mentor Not directly, but Paul Krugman follows the school of thought of John Maynard Keynes. And Keynes wrote his infamous book, The General Theory. And in The General Theory by John Maynard Keynes, in chapter 10, we see, quote, pyramid building, earthquakes, even wars may serve to increase wealth, unquote. Well, that's why Paul Krugman thinks that World War II or breaking a shop window or a fake alien invasion causing people to have to divert their hard-earned money toward building things that are useless as something that increases wealth. Keynes proposed later in the chapter that if somehow the economy had problems doing beneficial things like building houses or other useful structures, the government could help by a ploy of burying cash underground. And then the market, with its brutish ways of digging for shiny things, would employ lots of people to dig up that money. And that somehow this activity, the government burying some money and then people digging it up, would result in increased employment and more spending, which would spur economic growth. (laughs) So if you're scratching your head, wondering how this is supposed to make sense, there is a reason. I would propose because it really doesn't make sense. Yet, it makes perfect sense to John Maynard Keynes and his followers, who may even hold PhDs in economics from Ivy League institutions. It makes sense to far too many political think tank organizations. It makes sense to most of the politicians on Capitol Hill, whether Democrat or Republican. Unfortunately, it makes sense to the chairman and the whole board at the Federal Reserve Bank. So, truth, indeed, can be far stranger than fiction. Let me give you a consideration. If we're thinking that war spending or the threat of an alien invasion could actually be good for the economy, let's take this scenario into consideration. If somehow we wiped out all technology and turned everyone into Robinson Crusoe or Tom Hanks in the movie Castaway, there would be as close to full employment as possible. And full employment's good, right? Everyone who is able-bodied would spend long hours slaving away to feed themselves and any handicapped family members. Although employment would be high, living standards would be low. It should be obvious that a primitive situation means a much lower standard of living and a worse economy than an industrially and technologically advanced one. But if large-scale destruction is obviously bad, then smaller destruction is bad also. It's just to a lesser extent. There is no logical economic reasoning for why massive destruction that turns us all into Robinson Crusoe would be bad, but something that's just half as worse, or one-tenth as worse, would somehow actually be a net good. But that's Paul Krugman for you. That's Keynesian economists for you. That's mainstream economists for you. That's the people who teach in most universities for you. And I would suggest that consistency is key to valid economics. Of course, economics, may I suggest, is not just some dry, disconnected field of study. Livelihoods and lives are at stake when governments impose laws and regulations based on bad economic policies. And this is what I hope you would understand by listening to these episodes. When people in power don't understand biblical economics, bad things happen to other people. And a lot of people don't even realize that they're bad, and that is the tragedy. There are no economy-wide blessings coming from destruction. There are no blessings of the threat of destruction either, such as a perceived alien invasion. Let's look at what the Apostle Paul says in Galatians 2, verse 18. Now I know he's talking about the gospel, but these words are fitting even for an economy. The Apostle Paul says, For if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. And now here's my final question. Do professional economists who live in the ivory tower know better than those who actually make things happen? Consider, a war is destructive, period. Some people benefit from the war for sure, but it is at the expense of the other people who are robbed by war. These are the ones who receive the transfer of resources, and that is what war spending is. It is a transfer, a forced transfer of resources. That is what the threat of an alien invasion would be. It would be the transfer of resources, primarily from people who would probably use those resources better toward people who didn't earn them and who would squander them on some useless endeavor. But even if some people benefit from war spending or the threat of an alien invasion, the total economy has been reduced because of the destruction of resources. And now let me end with Proverbs 14, verse 1. Every wise woman buildeth her house, but the foolish plucketh it down with her hands. And so I would say that the Bible has something to say for people like Paul Krugman and their crazy Keynesian suggestions that lying to people and making them spend money on things that are useless and destroy people's lives in the process. This is foolishness. And may God help us through his word not to think like fools, but to use common sense that God has given us when we think about economics. Perceived threats of alien invasions need not apply.